1: Hello and welcome to The Game Podcast from The Times. I'm Gabriel Mercotti, and I thank you for joining us. With me in the studio today, I'm absolutely delighted because uh, finding time in her busy schedule some 24 hours after appearing on Sunday Supplement, it's Allison Rudd. Did you enjoy Sunday Supplement?
0: Always enjoy it, yeah. With the
1: excellent Paddy Barkley. Yeah. Uh,
0: we made history because it was the first time that been a guest missing from the starting line. Yeah.
1: Who was it? Who was it? Ol- uh, Ollie Holt, wasn't Ollie it?
0: Ollie Holt got stuck in snowdrifts.
1: Wow. So, so for those who don't know, Paddy Barkley lives in a very posh part of West London, very close to the Sky Studios, so they drafted in, yeah. right?
0: Emergency phone call. Very wow. exciting.
1: And also joining me in the studio, it's the excellent Julian Lawrence. Now, later on we're going to be debating the backlash to the new TV deal. Backlash? Is there a backlash? Is there a new TV deal? No, there isn't. There's just a bunch of proposals, Um, but it will change the way uh, many of us see Premier League football and maybe a little bit of the Champions League draw as well. But there's only one place to start, and that's at Old Trafford and the Manchester Derby. Alison, before we actually get into the match itself. Before the game, everybody was was speculating on how Mourinho would approach this. Obviously, no Paul Pogba, no Eric Bai, Phil Jones apparently fit enough to be in, on the bench. Um, and people were gonna, like, is he going to erect some massive Mourinho wall? And is he going to be down negative? And then you see the lineup and you see, oh, look, he went four at the back. He's got... okay. Lingard in for Pogba, which might not be the most exciting thing in the world, but, you know, it's it's a four-three-three. Um, 3 But just because you have more attacking players doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be more attacking. W- was his intent to go and try to be more attacking and said he just kept the ball forever? Was that the idea? Or do you think, actually, the first half or the first 40 minutes until the goal unfolded the way Mourinho planned?
0: No, I don't think he was planning on doing something remarkably attacking at all because from the word go... The team, the Man United team, was set up to stifle and contain and be scrappy and disrupt City's rhythm. So in a sense, he could have picked anyone from his squad and he would have given them the same instructions, I think. And even if Pogba had been fit, I very much doubt it would have been a different... um, It just might have happened more effectively. The game was uh, unpleasant to watch, I found. I thought it was... Scrappy and bitty and a little bit nasty and ugly. Yeah, That's... but some derbies can be fun in those respects. This wasn't. United tried to stifle um, City's most creative players. And in response, and this was the most interesting aspect of the match, I thought, City responded in kind. And they, they thought, well, if you're going to stifle us, we'll just harass you. And they meddled with their formation, a dizzied United didn't score beautiful goals, scored goals that really capitalised on United errors and, as you say, typical derby perhaps. But, I mean, they, they did not play beautifully. They were just they were just probably more energetic and um, better at pouncing on errors than United were. Do you agree with that
1: assessment?
2: No, I, th- I thought City were amazing, I have to say. And, uh-huh. and amazing, I really what, enjoyed it.
0: In, in what way amazing?
2: In, amazing in the fact that United tried to stop them playing and they couldn't get near them. They couldn't catch them, they couldn't get near them. They got a bit aggressive, like you said, but even that didn't disturb them. The, the movement of the players off the ball, so Gabriel Jesus could go on the left, he could go in the centre. David Silva played as a force number nine for half of the first half. They just, they just couldn't cope with, with them and with all the movement on the ball, off the ball. I thought it was just, it's one of the most dominant first half I've seen in, in a long time in those kind of games. And I think Mourinho trying to mind-mark the three in midfield, Fernandinho with Lingard on Fernandinho, and then Herrera and Matic on De Bruyne and, and Silva, I think was wrong, was the wrong idea. I think it's even better for Mourinho that Pep changed quite quickly and, and like, you, you put it nicely, diz it, uh United by changing a few things early on in the game. Because I think trying to mind-mark those three is completely stupid. And if you look at the teams who cause problems to this City team, Shakhtar especially in the first game of their Champions League two encounters there was no man marking Napoli there was no man marking either and they created a lot of problem by yeah, keeping you, the ball more than United did
1: yeah um, when they won the ball rather than I mean th- th- this is the fundamental I to me I think this is the fundamental thing is when you're playing City how do you react what, what Shakhtar and Napoli did was they would win the ball back and and try to pass through City and, and effectively tire them out and so on and mm-hmm. And it was effective, whereas United decided to to go long and, and be direct to Lukaku. But you gotta play with the guys you have. I mean, Shakhtar and Napoli have ball playing defenders and midfielders who can do that. They don't have a big, strong, fast, mobile for size center forward like Romelo Lukaku. So I mean it was not necessarily a bad thing for Mourinho to to be direct Now, they didn't execute it well, <laughs> I'll grant you that. But you, do you know what I mean? Because I, I heard Gary Neville say, like, well, they need to string four or five passes together and, and play out from the back and, and, and let the team you know move up the pitch and hold the ball and stuff. But And I agreed with him. It does make a big difference when I don't have Eric Bae back there. Who can pass out of the back? How are you going to pass the ball out of the back with, with Mate Herrera and, and Lingard?
0: Even if you could have added uh, 10% more class to all the players that Man United had available... City were closing down and making them jittery all the time the I, I mean and the, the reason Gary Neville gets cross is there is there's something fundamentally embarrassing about it being Manchester United at Old Trafford and their main problem is simply how do we contain City and it's not about United imposing any sense of their own characteristic or personality or style on the game it, it was all the narrative beforehand, and everything about the match itself was about how on earth are Man United going to cope with City, and they almost coped quite well. If 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 the la- that last chance Lukaku had should have gone in, shouldn't it? It should have gone in. It wasn't even a save; it just hit his face. So, but then De Gea and, hair. And, and that great would have been, well, and apparently. that would have been considered. That would have been considered uh, a triumph. He did not want City to go to Old Trafford. And play those superb, free-flowing, beautiful football where everyone's gushing, and they play it. They, they they play it from the back. No United player gets near the ball. They are outpassed, outthought, and it, and there's a beautiful De Bruyne finish at the end of it. And he achieved that. They did not do that.
3: Yeah, yeah. And I
0: think almost he can swallow the defeat because there was none of that particular humiliation. Mourinho will wake up and he will think. Mm. That was a typical derby. It was a bit ugly at times. We were unlucky that we didn't get the 2-2 with, the, with the Lukaku shot. We were not humiliated. We were not made to look like the ignorant, tactically naive younger brother on on Manchester. It was about making the game as ugly as possible in the hope that in the sort of randomness of ugly football you, you get a you get a draw.
2: No, I just thought well, they could have used the word better, that's all.
1: One other quick Pep thing about how this guy really doesn't care. I mean, you're playing with house money, you're undefeated, whatever. Aguero doesn't even come on. Remember last year when he left Aguero out against Barcelona and he says, we need one to control the midfield and he got pilloried for it? This is kind of odd, isn't it?
2: It's a game you have to work hard. He doesn't work hard enough.
1: I know, but the way we reflectively say, like, well, look, you know, he's one of the best center forwards in the world and blah, blah, blah. And, and they could just, just just leave him out in a in a game like this. It's still...
0: I think Pep had prepared us for that because he's been saying, hasn't he, that he, that um, Aguero has not been the same since he was involved in that car accident and he's not quite not quite at peak fitness. So you could argue he was taking the derby very seriously by not risking a player that's not quite there yet.
1: Now let's enter Mourinho world. Um, so after the game, he made such a big fuss about Andre Herrera and, and Nicolas Otamendi. The two came together in the box. Herrera went down. Mourinho thought that was 100% stonewall penalty. Actually, I don't even want to say Mourinho thought. I'm just going to say Mourinho said. Because <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I think the less the let's we'll try to get into the guy's head and what he's actually really thinking, the better. Does he have a point, Alison, our qualified referee?
0: Well, no, it wasn't a penalty. So
1: but Herrera know, went it. down. And Mourinho said it was a penalty.
0: <laughs> I think you'd be hard-pressed to find out of 100 referees more than two that might say it was a penalty, don't you think? Yes, at the time, from a certain angle, it looked like it might be, but from most angles and on replays, it's not. There's a foot there, and the player thinks, oh, I can fall over."
2: Could he have tried to stay on his feet, Julian? Yeah. I think so, hundred percent. I don't think the ball is even too far behind after that poor first touch by Otamendi, and he 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 gets the ball back. Do
1: so you think he 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 said like, "All right." 'cause I, I, think I, thought, Walker... I, I, I think Otamendi, i think I would imagine what happened. Otamendi was surprised by his poor first touch, yeah, yeah. and Herrera's in a split second and his side were here, he'd tell us about how is the brain synapses firing and whatever he said, all right, he's going to come in yeah, yeah. and he's going he's and he's, he's going to clobber me hundred percent and then Otamendi just pulls out just enough hindsight twenty twenty, 20 he could have he could have stayed on his feet yeah. right, and he could have maybe even had a shot on goal
2: if if his mind works in i God, I've got so the ball back in say, the box. Yeah, yeah, I've got the ball back. Here, I'm in. Instead yeah. of thinking, he's going to come for me, which which most people would probably think as well. Any of us,
1: whatever level, you're playing with your mate, you think, oh, he's going to club me. Well, you would think so, because especially after after a mistake, you know, your first instinct is like, get the ball away. You especially know? in that area. Yeah, in that you, area. Yeah.
2: You, you would go for it. All
1: right, so Mourinho's just wrong and making excuses, yeah? Is that what you're saying, Allison?
0: I don't, I don't know why he says it. He may believe it. It may be when you're the manager of Manchester United, you do see things through a prism that way. Right. What
1: about Marina's point about City being protected, blah, blah, blah? Yeah, this is just all stuff we've seen before. It doesn't yeah. really matter, yeah? The We're gods of football, it, he says. gods of football. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, the tunnel incident. Now, I'm only going to go by, by what our excellent Paul Hurst and others have reported. Um, by the way, again, I, I'm going to reveal how the sausage is made here. Okay, so... Paul Hurst was not actually in the tunnel to witness all this. Neither was any other reporter. Okay. So what happens is this incident occurs and then press people from both clubs go and get on the phone with reporters and they give their version of events and reporters have to kind of decide who's kind of slightly being Pinocchio, who's not being Pinocchio, if they have relationships with members of staff or players they may get some more information and that helps form a narrative. And that's why if you read the piece, there's so much uncertainty about what actually happened. Now, I'm going to piece together as best I can. Please correct me if you have information because I have not read every single daily newspaper because there's some daily newspapers in this country I don't like to read. But as I understand it, the door to the city dressing room was was open and they were playing loud music and celebrating boisterously, at which point uh, Jose Mourinho... May have approached the door and said something, which Ederson did not take well. Uh, Ederson, who was standing in the doorway for some reason, because I suppose he's—he probably he's looks more.
0: Keeper. He's guarding he, the door.
1: He's more. looks more like a bouncer than most. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, the most city players. Um, things got heated. There was an exchange. A bunch of people got got involved, and there was some sort of melee. Arteta. Was seen with blood on his face. Mikel Arteta, who of course is a is an assistant to uh, to Pep. Somebody threw a milk carton, which may or may not have hit Jose Mourinho. Certainly, much was made of the fact that Mourinho actually afterwards went and uh, faced the cameras, and there was no sign of the offending milk at that point. <laughs> which you know, I'm kind of thinking to myself, she like, might Mourinho keep more than one jacket at Old Trafford, possibly. Uh, I don't know. Um, I'm assuming the F.A. will investigate this, right? Because by all accounts, this was much worse than Pizzagate. There's also a report that Mourinho used an expletive uh, and shouted something very... He was arguing with Ederson in Portuguese. And again, this is is what's being reported in the newspapers. And then all of a sudden he switches to English to say very loudly, like, you will, obscenity, show respect, something like that. And again, and maybe I'm I'm spending too much time analyzing Mourinho's mind, but I'm wondering something like that kind of makes a statement. It's almost like a you know, you, all of a sudden you blurt it out in English so loudly and then you know that whoever whoever might not have known there was something going on yeah, yeah. comes over and then you know Lukaku yeah. comes over who's who's bigger than than again the entire city team and bigger than Ederson too and then it kicks off. It's it can be a way to galvanize your team, right? After a defeat and and Maybe create the siege mentality we hear about, or or whatever.
0: Well, I, yeah, that's a good point. Actually, I haven't thought of it that's that way. A... But doesn't anyone think it was slightly lacking in class for City to do the celebrations oh, yeah. they were doing? They were, they they already have the biggest entourage I've ever seen a football club yeah. have, and they were all there at Old Trafford. So you've got the celebrations in front of the crowd by yeah. City, which which doesn't fit well with what. They then say afterwards, which is that you know it's a long way to go, and we're not, <laughs> we haven't won the title yet, and the players are all saying, that. I mean you but don't, by the way, but no, one, no one go one, over,
1: incidentally.
2: You no. wanted yeah. all his staff, like twenty of them, to go over, but not him, because you see, you see him saying to the staff, you you go, you go, and this and yeah, but you go too. And he said, no no no, I'm not going. Yeah, but and but it's he goes not a cup final.
0: It's not. I mean, it's billed as a cup final this match, but it's not a cup final. And the classy response is to remember that it's not a cup final. I
1: don't know. I, I, no, I, I, no, I, I and like, then you I play. Like the then just just play and then you play. And you play loud
0: music. It, it's be, not your. It's not your dressing. It's not your dressing room. God when, you they to,
2: when you go to when go to go to Napoli and win two weeks ago, I don't think they play loud music and they wind them up like yeah, well, City wind up United. I know it's not a derby, but I'm not sure they do that in a derby
1: against Inter no, or things but there like isn't that. Either. The same level of rivalry and no, and maybe and not. not. It's it's not it's not Pep versus Mourinho. I don't know. Maybe
2: I just thought maybe it was a bit over the top to celebrate the way they did and everything as a neutral
1: i and as a big wrestling fan i like the semantics i i don't have a i don't have an issue for it i don't find it sinister i don't necessarily see it as a lack of class because i go back to this remember who you're dealing with on the other hand you're dealing with Jose marino you're dealing dealing with andrew herrera and I'm sorry, you know, I, I mean, do, do you remember Herrera last year against, when against the, the tactical fouling against yeah, Chelsea? Yeah. I mean, I at some point, like, you know, I don't have a problem. You want to live by those rules, fine, but then you die by those rules. And you accept the fact that somebody's going to go and rub your face in it. You didn't do it on the pitch in front of everybody. So they're playing loud music. True, but so you can what? see why. Jose Use that Jose as a spur to, Jose to, to, Jose to think Jose. about how you can be better. They have a bigger lead than PSG and Bayern even. I know. they will lose they will lose one or two games but yeah it's over now this season with your subscription to the Times and the Sunday Times uh, you can watch every highlight and every goal from every game in the Premier League the Champions League the Europa League and the FA Cup as well Alison what was your favourite goal of the weekend in the Premier League
0: I was at uh, Wembley to see Spurs Again, play a bit sluggishly to start with, but thanks to their South Korean international Sonny, as um, Pochettino calls him, who played in a sunny way and he lifted that team and he just made them remember that they are a good team and he scored and deserved to score. It was a through ball from Deli Alley, which was the only nice thing that Deli Alley did on the day, really, because he had a bit of a cold wasn't feeling great and Son ran onto it, and, yeah, and he had about 12 inches to aim at, and he got the ball through, and um, neat finish, lovely run. I like the goal because it epitomised his performance on the day. He was man of the match, and um, a joy to watch.
2: Julien. I went for Jermaine Defoe's second goal. Yeah, so did I. Which was uh, by far better than Son's, and any other goal this weekend... It's just a, an amazing piece of skill from, from Defoe, It's just before half-time, there's a long ball and he runs in behind and in a really tight angle, just manages with the inside of his foot as well, after the bullet bounces to put it over the keeper in the, um, the opposite top corner, it's beautiful. As I heard someone saying he was like Marco van Basten in the yeah, easy there. it's yeah, not, come, not on. A come on, it's a not as good as like van Dennis Basten,
1: yeah. either. No. But but it was it's not but it's a good one. Yeah. The Merseyside Derby. Okay, I'm going to start with the end, if you will, with, with, with a little incident because last night I was doing um, the show on, on, uh, on, on ESPN FC uh, and we had Stevie Nicol on, on the, the penalty, the penalty which Liverpool, of course, had taken the lead. They battered Everton uh, and then there's a turning point in the game. Um, long ball from Wayne Rooney to uh, Calvert-Lewin. Coming together with Lovren, Calvert-Lewin goes down, penalty, um, and we'll be talking about this some more. But, to me, that was not a penalty. That was soft, but to the point that it's not a penalty. Um, Steve Nicol said, surprisingly, for a Liverpool fan, it was definitely a penalty because Lovren's a fool and a bad defender, essentially. Because Lovren did everything wrong. Alex, I, I think I'm giving anything away here. You do have some Liverpool allegiance. Um, we all agreed Lovren was silly, yes? Yes. But was that a penalty?
0: Yes. It's one of those horrible technical things. It's a penalty and it feels morally it shouldn't have been a penalty because you kind of hope that Carver Loon would have stayed on his feet. But he was pushed and if you're pushed in the box, it's a penalty.
2: If that's a pen though, we have five or six every single game.
1: Also, was he pushed or did, or, because the way it looked to me, it looked to me like Calvert-Lewin comes across him, which you're supposed to do, and runs into Lovren as much as Lovren runs into, runs into him. And the fact that Lovren's hand is up.
0: His hand is up and he pushes him.
1: I'm right. I don't see the hand going forward. Yeah, that's the I, thing. I, don't, I, don't I don't see the arm going I don't see, forward. I, I don't there, see the that left at all. the left the left hand is a bit <laughs> in a weird position, but I see Lewin coming across, running into running into Lovren, who's going in the opposite direction. Lovren's obviously bigger and heavier. Um, and then Cal- and then Calvert Lewin making sure he throws himself to the ground. And, and I kind of think that we're this not a uh, yeoman, hard working, young, fine English player. We would be having a serious conversation about cheating to win a penalty. Maybe L- Cal- Calvin Valloon did the right thing because he gave the referee a decision to make, and the guy, uh, the guy was 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 was, was was far behind, and maybe he saw the angle, and maybe from that perspective, it's a penalty. But let's not forget. I don't want to hear ever again. It's creeping into our game. Our strikers are too honest. All this this nonsense, which should have gone out the window with Franny Lee fifty years ago, but too many people here don't seem to know their own history. He, Calvert-Lewin was, was savvy, yes?
0: Very savvy, yeah. But he didn't ask Lovren to touch him.
1: How could, Lovren, and, and, sorry, and how could Lovren not have touched him, by the way?
0: Oh, he, he didn't if he comes to. across he him... He didn't have
1: to. Oh, really? Well, 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 what, you're a def- you're what does c- Lovren do, You're teleport? a
0: central defender who w- will be in those situations a lot and you will train a lot for how to handle those situations. Putting your hand handle. on the back of the striker is not what you do because you risk giving away a penalty.
2: I think also the pace that Lewin is going you could be unbalanced pretty easily it takes very really. little it takes very little to yeah. fall over which is true at that pace really
1: whatever we'll have to agree to disagree on this one um, Jurgen Klopp agrees with me funnily <laughs> enough <laughs> <laughs> extraordinary go watch it it's on every kind of social media extraordinary post-match um, interview with, uh, with with the guy from, from Sky is it Pat Davidson is that his name okay, so. name check this guy anyway um, with Klopp, I find it weird because he's always kinda of like half being sarcastic and half smiling and you kinda of don't quite know what's going on in his head. But I thought this was this was really extraordinary and he really got he really got annoyed to the point that he said something I really didn't like. He says, Well I'm sorry, then we can't continue this interview because I can only speak to people who know a little bit about football. And then to his credit, the sky guy said, Well, there's a bunch of guys in the studio who've played football very well for a very long time, uh, who actually think it was a penalty and then Klopp kind of goes and says all right well then well then I'm wrong because everybody else is saying the opposite of me so then I must be wrong which again is heat of the moment whatever but not his finest hour yeah
0: no not his finest hour and there's this it's creeping into the game now that
1: With the diving m- and no, no, no no that man- that no that no
0: that managers are bringing morality and aesthetics into the refereeing decisions is Klopp actually saying that because Liverpool were the only team who were attacking, because Liverpool were the better team, because on most other days that would have unfolded as a clear Liverpool win, that the referee had a duty not to award a penalty and make the result That's unfair? That's a really good
1: point you're making. Carry on.
0: It's, it, it, but it, that, there, there is now this prism of we deserve something and not just talking about the penalty. Everything that Klopp said about the match was about... About the the morality of the negative tactics versus positive tactics, whereas that's incredibly naive because if you are the better team, what do you expect the opposition to do? We just had this long debate about what you know, you know, United acting as the underdog, and that's slightly embarrassing when you're at Old Trafford and you're Manchester United. But Everton have had a change of manager, and Big Sam has explained um, he's going to have to apply strict tactical rules to this match to get anything out of it at all and then Klopp, A, acts surprised that they are defensive, and B, acts as if there is this divine right to win a game where you are the more attractive team. That's not football, Jürgen. Sorry.
1: Oh. I think Alison's right in the sense that I, I don't think simply because you have worse players you have to play bad defensive football, and I think bad defensive football doesn't work. And yeah, I'll tell you, and, and look, evidence of this is the fact that if Lovren defends like a normal person, Everton go and lose that game. And if Mane passes the ball, they they go 2-0 down and then they got to come forward and they could have lost his 5 or 6 nil. So I don't if I'm Sam, if I'm Allardyce, I don't go around taking credit for the draw because I say, "Wow, we got really really battered." Not because we were defensive. You can be defensive and never concede a shot. That's being good defensive and negative. But they were defensive and they conceded loads of opportunities to to a better team. Um but by the same token, he, he Alison's kind of right though, right? I mean, the whole beauty of football is that we can kind of interpret it any way we want. And if you want to play the way Sam Allardyce did, if you think it's what's right for your team, you're entitled to do it. And it doesn't mean that it should influence a referee's decision at the end of the game.
2: Yeah, no, that was silly from Klopp. But Sam got lucky on this one. And Everton got lucky on right. this
1: one. Another Klopptastic point. Um, the six changes. He leaves Coutinho and Firmino on the bench. He starts Dominic Solanke, who I think was making his first ever start at Anfield, and who has yeah. not scored in top-flight football yet, I believe. You could also look at this and mean saying, "Wow, you disrespected the Merseyside Derby by playing these guys." But Klopp would say, "The guys I sent out there deserve to win. They created chances. They, we could have easily won that game with the team I had out there. And it's a long season, and I don't need Coutinho and Firmino to beat this bunch of muppets." Right,
0: well, and of, he's right. Yeah, yeah, no, he's he right. There was nothing wrong. So there's nothing wrong with uh, this exchange. Nothing Klopp has oh. rotated. Ro- Klopp has rotated more than any other manager this season. So he's being consistent. Any idea that he's disrespecting the the Merseyside derby? You could maybe bring that into the conversation if this was if this was the first time he made more than one change but this isn't this is what he's doing at the moment this is how he's keeping Liverpool fresh because they play a high intensity game and he needs to rotate his players and they played well nobody when they looked at the lineup said oh why is Lovren playing and Lovren's the only well Lovren and Mane were the two players who made two very bad mistakes but no one said they shouldn't have been playing there's a false logic there to say the lineup was incorrect Liverpool in every way a manager can arrange it did everything right to win that game You can't legislate for your centre-back giving away a penalty. You can't legislate for Mane not passing the ball when there were three players queuing up to score. What was significant, I thought, about that Mane chance, which he created beautifully in a Mane-esque way, was when he missed, and it was a bad miss, he laughed. He looked amused. Because it was such a one-sided game. He didn't think it was going to be a significant miss. He thought, well, we'll have another 20 of those. It was that kind of game, and it was that kind of freak result.
2: I found it strange when I saw the lineups. Why would you not play two of your best players, if not your two best players in it? Then I thought about it. I said, OK, Firmino is not number nine. So you think, because they're going to play two lines of four and there'll be no space, they'll be super deep. They're going to have nine men in their box. There's no point playing him because you know, he won't be able to express himself the way he usually does. So you put Solanke who's more of a you know, of a unit, maybe more suited for that kind of a position. Okay. And then Coutinho, I was still surprised. Where I think the biggest mistakes of Club was yesterday was to wait until Rooney scored that penalty to bring Coutinho on. Because the game at one up, the game is there for the taking. They're controlling it so well, they're just in the second goal. That's all they need. And Everton are going deeper and deeper and deeper and there's less and less and less spaces. And you think, okay, who on my bench right now could unlock this defense? It's Coutinho. Whether it's a long shot range, whether it's you know, some trickery, whatever. And why do you so wait? She would have brought him on sooner. Yeah. You mm. put Firmino on after 67 minutes, right? And you leave Coutinho on the bench. And it's only when Rooney's going to say, oh, sugar, now we're going to drop two points. Okay, Philip, come in and try to sort this mess out because... I've messed it up big time.
0: If you're gonna give a manager anything to do, it's surely assessing training, assessing who's fit, who isn't fit, who's clicking, who is clicking, and making sure you know, maybe Coutinho because of all the stuff about Barcelona being raised. Yeah, again. No, no, maybe, maybe he was in and a there's... bit of a sulk. Maybe he felt he'd be better off right. not playing the full maybe. Maybe.
1: Uh final word on on Everton. I, I feel like because Big Sam is such a an easy narrative, um, You know, and he came out and he reinforced it himself when he said, well, you know, we came in, we'd given up a million goals. And, you know, it is kind of playing out that way. What I'm skeptical about is it's not like he's got a team packed with defensive midfielders and and whatnot. Is it just a question of him hunkering down until January and then making the necessary changes? Or or actually, given Everton are mid-table, is this fine? Do you just have him, like, steer the ship until the summer and then see where you are?
0: They're not going to go down. No, they're they're not going to go down. And I think that's a good question because what Allardyce doesn't want to be this bloke who's only ever solving problems. He wants to build and prove he can be a creatively interesting coach that can win things, not just escape bad things. And he does have players in that team that can do nice things. I get it, the, derby, the, the Merseyside derby came at the wrong point in some respects. He hasn't had time to really work out what he can do with the team. But from now on, he's got his point out of that match. It would be nice to see Allardyce doing something creative with. I don't just mean they play creatively. I mean, I want to see him thinking creatively about how he utilises that team. I mean, it was a bit wacky to play Rooney and Sigurdsson as wingers. I mean, they were playing wide. I mean, that was bizarre, but interesting. I mean, I would hope that he would be able to to push everton on and on incrementally tactically interesting so that come the summer Everton are happy to give him money and think maybe this is a manager who can eventually get us Champions League football.
1: The Premier League television rights uh, for for the next three- year cycle are up, and they announce what the different packages are and it's going to be more than half Premier League games will be will be televised, and from what I can tell, in terms of the way the packages are, there will be football on on Saturday evenings and on certain midweek rounds or bank holiday rounds. Every single game will be will be on television. Does this matter? Is this clever? And and I, the reason I, I go back to this is I've lived in this country a long time, and I'm always sort of fascinated a little bit by your foibles. I'm old enough to remember when. ITV had the uh, the rights to, to match of the day, and they decided to, to rather than putting it on at 10 o'clock, they said, hey, look, children like football too. Why don't we go and put it in primetime? And everybody freaked out because there's all these traditional shows that you people like to watch on television. And this was a long time ago, though. Do people even watch television anymore other than <laughs> other than live games? And if that's the case... Why not put football on Saturday night? I mean, do you think there's going to be this level of, of debate about it, about the changing of you know, the great British habits? Or
0: I don't, I don't, I don't think there's... Um, I'm not bothered about whether this affects a programme like Strictly Come Dancing or ITV are going to have Dancing on Ice back again. I don't think it matters. And, you know, last night was the final of I'm a Celebrity and they, they had 9 million people voting on that. I just don't think those sorts of shows... Are under threat from anything, right. what, so what, gonna... but no. But, but you're right. We are changing the way we watch things, and I'm scared that we're going to become a world where the next generation of football fans only watch it on their tablets and don't even think about going. And if nobody goes to a football match, there's no what point would, watching a football match.
1: Why wouldn't you
2: go on Saturday evening? What, what what's the problem with a Saturday evening kickoff? Do you think?
1: Well, it clashes with Barcelona and Real Madrid for a start. But sorry.
0: No, because it because it's easier to because it's easier to watch it on your tablet.
1: But then it's
2: easier at four o'clock on a Sunday afternoon and uh, twelve thirty on a Saturday. Yes, s- but you Saturday. don't
0: you can't watch it on the telly at three o'clock. And there is still there are still families where the parents think, ah, it's three o'clock on a Saturday, that's Marked as going to watch football but because that there's still no the school. Case. There's no school. Even those kids who have to go to school on Saturdays only go Saturday mornings. Saturday afternoons are the time you go out. To watch sport, whether it's rugby or Yeah, but we still be thrilled at kick
1: off,
0: no? Yeah, of course. Be, but but the, the impetus to want to go, I know a whole raft of kids. You don't. They used to care a lot. Oh, I think, I think I might have tickets for the match. I might have tickets for the match. No one cares anymore. There's going to be an imbalance between what you have access to on your phone and your tablet, and maybe your television. That's going to become an obsolete thing, isn't it? And this desire to be at the game because. We're taking for granted the fact that when you tune in and watch these live games, whether they're on a Saturday night or not, yeah, maybe, maybe the fact that it is a Saturday does matter because it's the sort of thing you can all sit around together rather than watching it in your bedroom on your own if you're nine years old. You will come down and watch it with your family because it's there. It's the new Saturday night viewing. And there's no thought, oh, we'll go and watch that game. It's there. It's just so easy to watch it. But you expect there to be loads of people in the crowd singing songs and to be working yeah. out, ooh, what's that Christmas yeah. jingle they're singing? And, oh, that's I, really funny. I understand. I understand. There'll I be nobody the there. There'll be nobody we should, there.
1: We should try to make it harder for people to watch football. <laughs> no,
0: no, <laughs> no, no, but at some point it stopped being special that you can watch live football. On yeah,
1: today. It's, it's, not, well, it's, it's, it's welcome to the rest so of the world. Much, there's
0: so much of it. you're just creating. You're creating a You know,
2: in our countries, you can watch every single league match if you want to. If you're a Gangon fan, every single Gangon match is on TV. Well, you shouldn't be allowed to. You know And in Italy and in Spain, every single game is televised. And it's kind of... Every weekend, every midweek, every game, he's at a and
1: I mean, before, because then she's going to say, oh, yeah, but your attendances aren't good in Italy. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. Okay, then in the Bundesliga, too, they're all televised, and they have higher attendances than here. Uh, They also have cheaper ticket prices and bigger stadiums. I see where you're coming from. I also kind of feel that... The fact of the matter is there's a lot of people who cannot afford... To go to football matches. And there's a lot of people who can't go to football matches because they have other family commitments and whatnot. And I think you made a good point about Saturday night, you know, most people are at home sort of between seven and nine or ten o'clock. Most normal people. And that is a time when when football becomes accessible to you. You know, this this conceit that, like, oh, but you have to go to games. Games change. It's not not like back when I remember in the the late 80s, you could pay five pounds and you could go watch a, it wasn't the Premier League back then, football hadn't yet been invented, but you could go and watch a top division game in London. And you can't do that now. For a lot of people, it's simply out of reach. And not to mention the whole idea of going to away games, which, you know, for a lot of people gets expensive and it's difficult and, and whatever else. And they have childcare and relatives and a lot of people work weekends
0: the Saturday night thing, it's an added disruption if you're, if you're a really keen fan and you want to go to matches. Saying to your family, Oh, I'm not around Saturday. I'm not around Saturday night. I'm not around Saturday night, I'm around Saturday night. I'm around Saturday night because I'm going to the match. And your family are going to say, Oh, but Saturday night, Saturday night, we were going to do this. Or we were going to do that together.
2: It's basically. To to increase the TV rights and the money coming yeah, from, of you know, they had to find another slot. I thought personally it's also that more maybe
1: in some other markets and in, in, yeah, in North and yeah, South course, America, yeah. yeah, no, no question about so, that.
2: Fair enough, but I still think there's good things about it as well. Having Saturday night games and Gab and I again grew up with Saturday night evening games, which, you know, is great. The, the the Juventus Inter Milan game was on Saturday, which was the biggest game in Italy this weekend. For example, was was at prime time Saturday evening. And, in, you know, for us, it's more in France, it's more the Sunday night. But we, we used to have Saturday nights as well, where, OK, this is the biggest game. And the biggest game has to be on Pride time at the biggest day of the week, which is the Saturday.
0: I, well, I don't know. I just, I just think it, 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 here in England, it requires a change of mindset, yeah, you know, really. Of course, because because, because you, what you have in families who like football, I'm thinking about going forward, what this means to the way yeah, yeah, we you know, watch
4: football.
0: You're going away to, my, even a home match, you, you, you might come home late from the, if you've attended it which will affect the knock on effect of playing sunday morning football in this country. It's just mm-hmm. not if part of our tradition. When you see the I don't like change. Right. change. A lot of people love people. Yeah, I think <laughs> that's right. more English
1: than no, I they don't like change. I think that's quite evident. Um now while we were taping this the champions league draw came out. Now I do not know what it is because I specifically asked our our producer not to tell us. Um Julian, however, has been fiddling with his phone. No, no, no. So I
2: promise you don't know it's on, it's on uh, air flight mode, uh, flight mode or whatever. So I'm, I'm actually going to write right. down
1: what producer Charlie Okay, so generous. this is what we're going to do. Now Charlie's going to read me the fixtures and I will repeat them and you guys can, like, you know how like an FA Cup third round draw, which is also exciting. You guys all write it down. So Julian, I will deputize you to write down the fixtures. Okay. So Charlie, please commence. Juventus versus Tottenham Hotspur. Ooh.
2: That's a good one. Second leg at Wembley. Oh.
1: Basel versus Manchester City.
2: If they even start getting luck in the draws, I mean, come on. Mourinho's
1: right. They are protected, clearly.
2: (laughs) I was hoping PSG for Basel, but Basel for PSG.
1: FC Porto versus Liverpool.
2: It's an interesting one. Very good start of the season, Porto. Sevilla. Come on, PSG. (laughs) just
1: oh Manchester United.
2: The gods of football, they're good for Jose as well sometimes. <laughs> exactly.
1: How <laughs> so bad was Sevilla this weekend? My goodness. Oh my God. Real Madrid. No
2: way. No way. No!
1: Paris Saint-Germain. Oh. Come on, oh. now or never, man.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a shame for them. They wanted the trouble. Line. They yeah. won't do the trouble. It's a shame for Real Madrid.
1: Ooh. Shakhtar Donetsk. Versus Roma. That's another good one. Or oh, should it be like the one? UEFA guy? Versus Ais Roma, Chelsea. Oh, Chelsea Barsa, then no. Versus oh. Barcelona, FC Bayern München.
2: Besiktas. That's the one no one is going to watch.
1: Against Besiktas.
2: Oh, Bayern, the gods of football, they're good with them as well.
1: Yeah. Okay. So the gods of football were basically mean to the two big Spanish teams, and they were good once again to the English sides. Apart from Spurs, yeah.
0: No, no, no. Well, after after the game on uh, Saturday, midweek, Danny Rose said that um, Pochettino would would much prefer a tough a tough draw. So I said to him after the game, "Is Danny Rose right? And why on earth would you want the toughest draw you could have?" I'm not saying that is the toughest well, they well, amongst one they of are, the toughest yeah, ones yeah, they could sure. have. that were available to them in the draw. And but Pochettino was hilarious. He was going, "I'm very brave. I only like playing big teams." But then I said, "Well, come on." some details of that and he said he sort of admitted if it's a big team that they'll get a bigger crowd at Wembley the crowd will be up for it they'll give them support from the word go there'll be no assumption that they're going to win they've struggled Spurs with, with that sort of vibe at, at a big stadium that oh come on you're supposed to win this easily and that's why yeah. they've been getting draws against the likes of West Brom at Wembley Tottenham need the way they are set up now and the way they're coping with Wembley they need there to be a glamorous Side that, that, that where they can be sort of half considered the underdog yeah, to lift, so lift their Real game and,
2: and Dortmund's. I'll tell you what, right? and the
0: proof is that they top their group yeah. with Real Madrid in it.
1: you what, right now you <laughs> just aren't playing particularly glamorous football at all. But, but yeah, but it, yeah, but come you February, me, it yeah. comes you right, no, of course, no, 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 it it so no, 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 no. I, I take your point. It. Yeah, no, no, no question, no question about it. Real Madrid against PSG. It's That's the, whole... the tie of the round, yes. Yeah, I think so. Followed think by so. Barcelona and Chelsea. Yeah, and then you... Lionel first. Messi hasn't scored eight games against Chelsea, I'm reliably informed. Wow. Good thing they don't have a guy like Luis Suarez, who, of course, mm-hmm. has scored plenty of goals against Chelsea, so...
2: Yeah, although this season, Barca are not playing that goal, they're, you know, they're top of the table. No, they're, they're, they're playing... They're not playing, playing well at Bita, all. But they're not playing well at all. They so. were poor
1: again, uh, I, I thought, really poor this week. I mean, they hit the woodwork and stuff, and Villarreal had a good time, but Villarreal yeah. had, like five starters out and they still really struggled
2: I mean again there's a lot between now and when those when the first leg of those games is going to be played in February a lot of things can happen you know injuries form can dip form can pick as well you can have new signings you can have a lot of things but there's a lot of interesting ties in
1: there Right, enough of that. How about some quick hits? Chelsea fall again, 1-0, to the power of David Moyes, and Antonio Conte says their title challenge is pretty much over. Alison, would you like to tell me why Conte would uh, come out and say that at the stage, or would you rather celebrate Moyesie, Or both?
0: Uh, that's a lot to do in a quick hit, isn't it? Uh, so I will say, ooh, what is Conte up to? I, honestly, to hear the way he talks... You would think this is a massive surprise that if you've got a midweek Champions League game, you might be a little bit tired in the the next league game. And Chelsea did look very jaded. He won't rotate much, though, and it's peculiar. They're over-reliant on Hazard. Hazard does tend to really pick his games, doesn't he? In the Champions League, he always plays well, and I don't think he always chooses the best games to light up in the Premier League.
1: Arsenal have a horrendous start against Southampton, but then somehow get back into it to grab a point. Julian, we've praised them of late. Um, This is bad Arsenal reappearing, yes?
2: Yeah, it is, especially defensively. I mean, they hate those early kickoffs, whether it's a Saturday or Sunday, it doesn't make any difference. And we saw how bad they were early on in that game. Got to be better after in the second half and everything, but it's still the attitude that I think is not right. and, And they got lucky to have a point.
1: Well done, the Saints. Spurs romp all over Stoke City, 5-1, and Harry Kane, the four-season wonder, scores two. Now, it's their first Premier League win in over a month. Uh, should they still be thinking in terms of a top-four finish?
0: Yes, they should. Now, I, I kind of think that uh, Pochettino might be fibbing. He's he's now established a narrative that this blip in domestic form by Spurs is probably because... Because um, no, no, he doesn't want it to be about the book, he wants it to be about Spurs were overly keen to prove themselves in Europe and they had a tough group and uh, playing well against Real Madrid has diverted their attention. So now he's got no more excuses, free pass till February, they can establish enough points to start threatening
1: Crystal Palace draw with Bournemouth 2-2, but I thought they played reasonably well, though it's all overshadowed by Christian Benteke uh, and the incident where he insisted on taking what would have been the game-winning penalty and missed it. So Benteke is now the uber-villain. You know, Danny Murphy got all spiky about it on on Match of the Day. Roy Hodgson is angry. And uh, Benteke is the Grinch who stole two points. Ashoyan, is this reaction fair or slightly over the top?
2: Maybe and, and, then, maybe and, then,
1: and it so. does it make sense for Hodgson to go and throw this guy under the bus it's not like he's got like five other centre-forwards lying around
2: well yeah he was honest when he was asked the question was he supposed to take the penalty and the answer is no there's rules you know managers make decisions someone takes penalties if, if Milivojevic takes the penalties it's because he's very good at it clearly better than Benteke. otherwise it would be Ben Teke. so why do Benteke insist on taking it if, if someone is you know has been chosen for it clearly for a reason not just because his name is hard to say he <laughs> was picked because I, I, he's good at it I don't you see dispute I mean? that
1: I just wonder if maybe rather than going and crucifying your own player in public maybe you go and you talk to the players you figure you just say like, no that wasn't supposed to happen we'll deal with it internally and that's that and then if you go in the dressing room and you want to get angry and do do that weird thing where you start shaking your head and rubbing your hair and, and, and the other stuff Hodgson does that's fine and if you want to find Ben Takei or put him on the naughty step that's fine but I'm just not so sure we're doing it in such a public way. You know, yeah, I just wonder if that's something Hodgson might regret. Yeah. Newcastle will make a game of it, but ultimately they fall at home to Leicester City 3-2. Uh, Alan Shearer says they have a championship side in the Premier League and that Ashley should either sell or give uh, Allison, your mate Rafa Benitez, money to spend in January. Are you on board with that?
0: Ashley has an asset now that everyone knows is for sale. It's like having your house for sale and not doing any work on it. So you get a really crappy price or no one's interested because there's paint peeling off the walls. But for not too much money, he could... And he's got an excellent, excellent manager and uh, the crowd behind that manager. So you give Rafa the money in January to make sure your asset looks all sparkly and wonderful and is guaranteed Premier League football so that if it takes a long time to get the right deal, you do get the deal eventually. Being stingy in January will not work.
1: Now, somebody named Kevin Long, <laughs> props to him. He started center back for Burnley against Watford, who, you know, we're all told how brilliant Marco Silva is and Richarlison is so dangerous. And and guess what? They still won. They had a bit of help from, I thought, a rather dubious sending off. But Julian, Sean Deitch has as many points as Guillaume Balagay's god, Mauricio Pochettino. <laughs> I, this is absolutely remarkable. If they were going to regress to the mean and be found out, He's doing it with a tiny squad. On top of that, his regulars are are, are injured because you know when I when me goes down and this dude comes in, again, I don't want to be dissing him, but he's Kevin Long. This is this is incredible.
2: It is incredible, and I think Dash deserves a lot of uh credit, a lot of love. I don't think he gets enough of it because he's doing an amazing job. They got a bit lucky on Saturday. The guys of football yeah, out, by the way. Yeah, guys of football. You know, we're a bit kind Gods to them. Football, bidding, Phil bidding. Bardsley. More than Kevin Long. Phil Barsley is still alive and playing football, which is great for him and had a good game, actually, for Burnley. We're all
0: glad he's still alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Uh,
2: No, I mean, fantastic. You know, the, the way they defend, the way they're organized. Not the greatest of football, but it's working and good on them.
1: Bonus question. If the season were to end today, is Burnley where they are a greater achievement than City where they are in terms of manager of the year?
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, cool. definitely. I, I
0: think, and I think everyone would say yes yeah. You'd vote
1: Deich over I yeah, think everybody
0: yeah, in football Over would. Pep, everybody Pep. Football Even would. Pep
2: would vote for Daish Over
1: himself Yeah, because that's exactly His brand of football
2: Gab, one for you Juventus hosted Top of the table Inter on Saturday night How did they do? Uh it was a ugly Nil-nil Italian style of football Wasn't it? Uh, that's
1: exactly what it was <laughs> uh, Really out of step With uh, uh, I think with, with What we've seen uh, Certainly this season And and really last year too Uh Inter went in, but they were top of the table. They said, all right, you come and break us down. We're away from home. Inter were, Inter achieved very little, but Juventus didn't achieve much either. A couple of the better chances. And the frustrating thing, I think, is Max, as I wrote in my excellent column in the game today, Max Allegri made a big deal in the summer about, you know, Juventus needing to go and dominate opponents and his belief that wingers are essential, especially guys who can go one-on-one and create something out of nothing. So... They committed like 80 million on, on, on two new wingers, Douglas Costa and uh, and Federico Bernardeschi. But these guys <laughs> hardly ever play. Uh, and when they do play, they don't play well. Uh, and they were both on the bench. They didn't come on. And Paolo Dybala supposedly wasn't 100% fit, but he only came on the last 15 minutes. And, yeah, I don't know. I If you're serious about this, about wanting to go and really take the game to the opposition and dominate them, you need to play... Your skill players and, and you need to play better. And so I think it's as simple as that.
4: Hello, I am Paddy Von And I'm Charlie Scott. And together we are The Sweeper, The Times' fantasy football tipping service. Uh, you can, of course, sign up for free at thetimes.co.uk forward slash fantasy football. Uh, we've had a slightly odd game week, I think, in some respects. Um, it was nice to see Harry Kane repay some of our weekly faith. Um, with a couple of goals, uh, but he was outshone by a teammate as uh, Son Heung-min was the top scorer across the league in the game week. I say it was strange because, well, we saw Philippe Coutinho and Roberto Firmino dropped by Jurgen Klopp uh, after a lot of teams had brought them in, and we saw Chelsea draw a blank as well. Um, you know, Eden Hazard's been very popular recently, so too Alvaro Morata. So it was um, it was quite a tough work out there.
3: Yeah, but Son, wow, what a performance! Two assists and a goal in that five-one win for Spurs against Stoke. And he got 16 points, which, yeah, as Paddy said, led the league. And that's four goals and two assists in his past six game weeks for Tottenham. He looks particularly good at Wembley as well. In his last four games, it's seven points against Liverpool, ten points against Palace, two points against West Brom, and then 16 against Stoke. But he's not guaranteed minutes. He's such a tough one when it comes to fantasy football. Do you bring him in, but then you might have that devastation of seeing him on the bench, particularly at this festive season with so much rotation. £7.9 looks cheap but he's in that kind of Rashford and Martial situation where you just don't know whether he's going to play looking forward Paddy if you were in Fantasy Fantasyland Land had a wild card right now would you bring him in?
4: I think it's easier to avoid him just for that reason especially with the fixture congestion, lots of rotation um, guys like Raheem Sterling and Mahrez are just a little bit more expensive and for a lot less you can get Richarlison or Jordan Shakiri, who are sort of the focal points of their team and are a bit more reliable really the same goes really for the sort of cheap strikers. We saw three of them this weekend pop up with the goods: uh, Steve Mounier, Dwight Gale, and Jermaine Defoe. You might say that Charlie Austin is uh, is the sort of form man in that bracket. But Southampton's games are tricky. And if you're looking uh, for one of those three to, to pick up on the cheap, I think Steve Mounier is quite a good one at Huddersfield. Club record signing, back from injury, seems to be fully fit again. And if you can get a striker at that sort of value in your squad who can be relied upon to come off the bench when the main guys get dropped, that's uh, that's invaluable at this time of year.
3: Absolutely. Well, Mounier, flavour of the month in August, wasn't he? You think flavour of the month in December too? It could be, it could be. Uh,
4: in terms of our mini-league, um, things are heating up. We've now got four teams in the mini-league in the uh, top 1,000 in the world. Uh, but uh, individual congratulations goes to Rafi Myers, whose team scored a whopping 93 points this week, which in a tricky week is, uh, is quite impressive. And that was with Hazard and Morata doing nothing. Wow. Um, so congratulations to him. You can, of course, join the uh, Mini League and get the free email every Friday at thetimes.co.uk forward slash football.
3: And not just every Friday, also Tuesday, because we've got a game week this week, so there will be a sweeper in your inbox tomorrow morning.
1: Right, that's all we've got time for. Many, many, many thanks to my excellent guests today, Alison Rudd and Julian Lawrence. Now remember, just £8 for an eight-week trial. Uh, Just search The Times online, and you don't just get our excellent content from our newspaper that we all work very hard on. You also get that other paper, the Sunday Times. And this season, you can access highlights of every single game in the Premier League, the Champions League, the Europa League, and the FA Cup. We're going to be back next Monday as the big games keep on coming. We'll be looking back on Pep
3: versus Poch, Manchester City versus Spurs. The game is brought to you by The Times. For more information and more podcasts from The Times, head to thetimes.co.uk.